0: Me. I can hear you and see you. Cool. Thank Very you. for good. uh thank you for coming on.
1: Not at all. Alex, yeah?
0: Yes. Um, so I mean, I'm just planning on talking about you, your career, some insights you can give, and just what's kind of going on with you. And um I've looked at your background and I mean you've had such an astonishing international career and worked in so many different places and uh, I'd just like to kick it off and just ask um I mean what does it take to kind of work on this international level and what do you uh what do you want to say to people that have this desire to work on that kind of scale
1: well I think um some people think kind of parochially and some people think globally um, I think I certainly grew up with narrow horizons i mean that's how I was up, and that's the, uh, the society into which I was uh, born and I just felt confined and just needed from a very early age just needed to uh, explore to uh, to go over the next mountain you know and uh, I found actually when I was in Australia that all Australians think like that and that's why they're everywhere. That's why they run the business. <laughs> that's why they're all over Los Angeles. They're all over New York. They're all over London. It's because yeah. there's something about Australians that um, makes them think globally. And it is a global industry, which is uh, so I always encourage my students to think in that way it's a global industry. You should think globally, you should know what's happening in, uh, uh, in Europe, in Australia. Um, so really I just started my career in England and, um, uh, actually in Scotland, but, um, uh, I was born in England, but I, the first the job first jobs I got were in Scotland. But, um, after a while I, uh, just thought I just need to, uh, I need to to take this experience and just put it in another context and see how useful or how relevant it might be and so that's what started me on the journey and then i went yeah. from australia from i suppose i went from the uk to australia and then from australia to uh united states and who knows where the next uh, journey is going to be
0: yeah and so in australia what was kind of the first job you got, and where did you go from there?
1: Well, I, um, it was really a, I answered an advertisement, which was they were looking for a head of directing at uh, their National Drama School, NIDA, National Institute of Dramatic Art. And I've never actually heard, I've never been to Australia, and I've never heard of NIDA. Now, I think everybody's now heard of NIDA, but at that time, um, it was not so well known internationally. But I uh, saw the job advertised, applied for it, interviewed, and got the job. Um, and when I got there, uh, it was extraordinary. I mean, the students, during the time I was there, which was, I, I was at NIDA for just two years, but during the time I was there, the students included people like Bas Lerman, Kate Blanchett, uh, Deborah Kara Unger, uh, Tony Collette. Uh, I mean, it's a remarkable group of students with very high level of talent and ability. And I've come from a major school in England because I was teaching at RADA, which is an amazing school. But um NIDA was really, really impressive and a uh, uh, relatively small school, very difficult to get into. And um, uh, so that's where I did my first two years was as the uh, Head of direct, head of directing at NIDA with some really good students and uh, then went from there to the film school and uh, I was at the film school for four years this is the Australian Film Television Radio School I was there for four years as head of writing head of screenwriting then I took a year out to work for the Sydney Theatre Company which uh, is an amazing theatre company just uh, there I was running there I was their resident Dramaturg, I think is what I was, you know, the sort of head of their literary department, developing new works. And uh, then there was some kind of emergency at the film school and they came to ask me to come back as head of film and television. So I did that for four years. And then I um, got offered this position in New York. So that's, (laughs) you know, that's the the nature of the journey. But the foundation was really in... uh, uh, in England, uh, that's where I worked mainly. First of all, as, a, as an actor for a long time, as an actor, and that's really what I wanted to do. All I wanted to do, I think, well, apart from playing football for England, which I didn't do, or, <laughs> or becoming yeah. an amazing painter, which I didn't do either. But no, I became an actor, and most of my work as an actor was first of all in theatre, but then mainly in mainly in television. Thereafter, I did all those sort of BBC series, and. Uh, uh, and I worked then at good places as a writer and as a director. I worked at good places and, uh, and television-wise i worked in some good shows and stuff. And uh, But after a while, you know, it's never easy in the UK because leading that kind of itinerant life as a kind of freelance writer, director, actor, you know, there are gaps between go- jobs and you don't sort of... Uh, Make an enormous amount of money, and um, I suppose that was also influencing my dis- desire to go to Australia. Um, yeah, I, I, I think so because in Australia, I I just haven't had a day out of work since <laughs> since then, which was yeah. a long time ago. Uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Have you really uh, found fulfillment with teaching?
1: Yes, I have. I mean going from you see even when I was an actor I was teaching acting as well as working as an actor and when I started as a writer I then started to teach writing at the same time as doing it and the same with directing so um I think you see, of all those I, I would say the thing that I you get the most instant gratification from is teaching in some ways because uh, if a class goes well i feel really good about that if it doesn't go well i think it has to be my fault and my responsibility Um, and i really like to see students uh challenging themselves and uh, i like to see them doing well and I, you know, partly because I've worked in sort of good institutions, I've always worked with good students. But even when I started teaching in London, in the East End, I was working with kids, just young kids, rough kids from rough neighborhoods. And um, that was a challenge. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but I learned a lot and I hope they learned something too. Um, you no, know, I'm sure, that, uh, you know, I'm sure some, of them, some of them did, but it was a, a really good experience and I'm really glad I did it. Because I think the thing that has, I think, influenced me in no matter what job I do has been really to do with feeling that you're in some sense useful, you're in some way doing something that is worthwhile and has some kind of value to it above and beyond itself. In, So that's definitely always, and it's most obviously so in teaching. Um, And less so, I think, in acting, because as an actor, you are kind of dependent upon a phone ringing, to a large extent, not always, but uh, uh, so you're not so much in control of your own destiny uh, as you can be as a writer, perhaps, and you can be as a director, perhaps, and you certainly can be as a teacher. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. that's been has been the driving force. I think is the quest for adventure and the desire for broader, new and broader horizons, and also the desire to be socially useful. I think. Yeah. And in the middle, in some way, there's a desire to make it <laughs> to make a living.
0: <laughs> True. Yeah. <laughs> and would you say, uh, especially teaching? Um, internationally do you think it's important for a lot of new uh, students either coming into colleges or universities or just graduating to really uh, travel internationally and see a bigger uh, broader perspective
1: i really do i really do i think it is i think it is so important uh, there's such amazing work being done in obscure places, you know, Iranian women film directors, uh, South Korean cinema, uh, things that we're now becoming aware of, and uh, um, uh, and a lot of European cinema. Um, Also television though, television has become so important and you just look at where the, who would have thought that Scandinavia would be such a center of uh, original creative uh, uh, television. Um, It's really, or France these days, I mean, or Italy. I've just finished watching that wonderful, wonderful television series called uh, My Brilliant Friend. If you haven't watched it, Uh, It's a it's a tough series of the friendship between two girls in Italy marvellous
0: I'll put it down on my list And then (laughs) for you
1: It is I I think you see universities can do this you can You can establish satellites abroad uh, You know in different countries you can do student exchanges faculty exchanges, and I think um, all of those things uh, enrich a student's life and uh, as you when you're an emerging filmmaker writer director cinematographer whatever it might be um those experiences can really broaden your vision and your sense of what are the possibilities the different ways of telling a story um yeah so i i definitely encourage that I, i mean i in in australia i sort of set up um student exchange program with NYU, which is one of the ways where, where I developed that relationship with NYU. And at NYU, I've set up the London program, which was um, uh, to do to do with the sending our students to RADA, to the all the places where I worked. And we also had a fantastic program at the BBC, which uh, lasted for 16 years, and then there were some various changes made. And so that's no longer there, but it was a fantastic thing for our students. We used to send, uh, a number of students each semester to work at the BBC um, in their training program, and uh, I've, I've just set up a program in Australia, um, yeah. which is <laughs> surprise, surprise. Um, I run a short, um, a, a, a short a writing the short screenplay program in Australia in January, um, which, if you're living in freezing cold New York.
0: You want to get there. You want to go January, to Australia.
1: Sydney in January is really not a bad place to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I mean, you did? Where were you?
0: Uh, I was just at uh, Macquarie University for oh, a couple yeah, yeah. months. And then I got sent back because of COVID 19. But.
1: Uh, oh.
0: What were you doing at um,
1: Macquarie? They actually have a good uh, documentary film program there, don't they, at Macquarie?
0: Yeah, I took a a couple uh, film courses there. And it's, like you said, just so interesting to take a different perspective at uh, different countries, like film history, too. It's something you don't really think about, especially just growing up in America. I mean, there's so many just like troubles with film. And you don't think of like having to compete with Hollywood and how big of an impact that makes.
1: Oh, oh yes, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a big issue in Australia because they realize that the uh, the budget of uh, your average, the promotional budget of your average American film is bigger than the entire production budget of the country, you know, in, in Australia. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, and so c- it's competing on a very uneven playing field. Uh, Australians are very, uh, very conscious of that. And so whenever those countries like when Australia has a Crocodile Crocodile Dundee or a Romeo and Juliet or a Strictly Ballroom, they're immensely proud of having penetrated the global global market. Um, It's a little bit like how in England we felt about the Beatles. Yeah. (laughs) Having imported so much rock and roll, which we loved for so long, it was just wonderful to feel that we could, (laughs) we could export this material as well. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah exactly so looking at um more of like your career how uh how have some challenges come up to you switching jobs internationally and what are some hardships that you faced like having to switch gears um god i think
1: i think i tend to edit my own memory and my own life and just cut out the bad bits <laughs> um because i don't really remember it that way. Um, I I mean, I remember there being challenges. No, yeah, there were. I suppose if I take every single job and every single uh, country, there's always been sort of um, uh, challenges and defeats and things that you thought you could have done better. Um, uh, In England, I think it's just this. I mean, I just love the standard of work in England. And I suppose, Uh, I will always see the world from a British perspective and with British humour, but it is a very hard country to sort of, um, uh, to make a living. Um, In Australia, it's a lot easier. Um, um, One of the struggles I had in Australia, I think, um, the, I don't know, I think... uh, when I was at NIDA, there was a kind of student uprising and I kind of felt the students were more or less right. <laughs> and yeah. uh, so That was tricky politically because I kind of really did think their cause was justified. Um, and at the film school, I think the challenge there was that film schools I think are difficult to run because there are so many competing interests. And um, running the writing program in the film school, That was kind of okay, not too much of a problem. Um, I kind of knew what I was doing. For me, I always need to have a clear sense of what my goal is, what my purpose is. But when I was in the sort of senior administrative roles, I mean, I think that's when a lot of time was consumed satisfying conflicting interests of, you know, the documentarians versus the dramatists, the technicians versus the uh, creatives or, you know, however they might... I mean, I tend to think that everybody is creative and uh, everybody is a storyteller and everybody has a story to tell, which is why I actually see the job of acting, writing, directing, and teaching as being essentially the same job. I think they feed off each other. And I often begin a lot of writing, acting, or directing classes with the same kind of exercises to get, I really try to encourage writers to think as actors. Um, and um, directors also to think as actors. Um, So uh, I think all of my classes are actor-driven in the way that I think. I justify that by saying, that well, Shakespeare was an actor, Moliere was an actor, Charlie Chaplin was an actor, Clint Eastwood was an actor, Greta Gurewig was an actor and still is of course. so i think there is a kind of justification for seeing them as being very associated jobs you know so many actors become writers so many writers become directors so i see them as very closely related um so yeah i mean your question was really to do with what challenges did i find i think the reason why i didn't find too many challenges is because i think that when i go into a new job I think I'm asking myself, what can I bring to this institution or to this course um, or to this group of students that they, that might be new and might be something that they couldn't get from maybe somebody else. Um, And so I think that's, um, yeah, that's helped me. Uh, in in terms of dealing with a new culture I mean definitely the thing I'm most proud of in in terms of um, Australia is how we at the film school and this was when I was in the administrative role um, how we managed to embrace indigenous culture and get aboriginal students in and aboriginal people as teachers and lecturers Uh, first of all, in some sort of guest capacity, but um, those people have gone on to do really great things, uh, a number of them. And uh, uh, I I definitely can't take sole credit for that. I mean, I was working closely with a woman called Sara Juarez and there were a number of other people there uh, at the film school. And um, some of those students have gone on to do um, terrific things. I mean, uh, a guy called Warwick Thornton, who was basically illiterate i mean he wrote a screenplay it was about six pages long on handwritten paper and um he with his film he won the camera d'Or at can for the best first feature uh the film is called samson and delilah it's a fantastic piece of work he's uh, done something else recently and uh and also from the Aboriginal community, um, I mean, on the opposite end of the spectrum, I mean, a very close friend of mine, she was an ex-student, Katrina McKenzie. She directed the, some of the last episodes of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Yeah, I think that's great. I think it's fantastic.
0: Yeah, the Australians I mean, are taking over
1: the world. You see, they are.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah that was one thing that really struck me is all the aboriginal work in films and um just kind of seeing the progression in australia i mean it's crazy how like i mean you see movies like the chanted jimmy blacksmith and just like the growth and seeing how they're treated in the films and i mean it's again it's like you see all this rich history in the countries you don't really think about i definitely think that's what I really like about uh, all these new streaming services. There's so much content and there's so much I mean, opportunity to see other films that otherwise you'd never would have even know existed too.
1: Absolutely true. Absolutely true. I mean, the, I, I love that. The fact that there is so much content out there and so many... Uh, different kinds of platforms and ways of seeing films and those the only downside to that i think is that we don't have a shared experience um that uh when there were sort of a limited number of channels and a limited number of um uh, a limited variety of content at least all of us were watching the same things and so therefore we had a common language and a common experience and uh, uh and in some ways it made the color the society more cohesive perhaps um but of course the trade-off was that uh, you know it was um it lacked the diversity and richness that we now experience today but we have to be cautious about that and be aware of what the negative side of that is but i love the diversity and uh, yeah I think the world is changing it really is and uh, uh, the way we 're seeing things and uh, uh, it's it's changing
0: yeah i mean there's so much i feel like there's mass opportunity that's just growing every single time a new streaming service comes out, and I feel like it's there's more opportunities to get your voice out and get a screenplay out and take a shot i th-
1: I think so i mean i think it's it remains difficult to um you know, to get to, to enter the industry, the barriers to, to entry are still there. Uh, it's still hard to get your first job as an actor in television. To get your first job as an actor is hard. To get your first job in television is hard. To get your first job in the movies is hard. To sell your first screenplay is really hard. And to get your first job as a director. And then to get your second job is hard, even with the diversity of work out there. But I mean, the the multitude of opportunities there are out there, there's still one hell of a lot of people chasing each each job. And I think that's something, somewhere that film schools need to improve and drama schools need to too, as well. But film schools particularly, about building that bridge between um, Academia and the industry. Yeah. Helping your students who've invested a lot of time and a lot of money in their course. I think there is an obligation to help them uh, access uh, the industry. Uh, And there's all kinds of strategies for that, but I don't think any of us, I mean, Megia Chapman, you're Maybe brilliant at this, but I mean, I, I don't think any of us are in any school that I've worked in. There's areas room for improvement there. Yeah, um, you know, there are things that I really am interested in. Are things like um, uh, global programs for students and launching careers? Um, you know, I think those are things that uh, I'm still very enthusiastic about. Apart from the fact I'm still enthusiastic as a teacher, I mean preparing a course at the moment on zoom which is a challenge (laughs) i've just done one course on zoom which um, was directing the actor and um that is not easy
0: (laughs) oh yeah sure, it's super hard over zoom yeah it is hard over zoom hard but but
1: it was really interesting to get the students to be really creative really creative about thinking well what script you're going to work on in these awful circumstances and then one of the first things we did is we came up to the idea that well what you could do is no matter what scene you've got you can rewrite it as a phone call or you could you know where you can't see each other yeah. Or you rewrite it as a Zoom call where you can see each other. Yeah. Or you try to um, create the illusion that you're in the same room, and that's very. And there are some really nice things that people came up with uh, uh, pursuing any of those, any of those things, and um, any of those strategies. And I'm sure there are many other strategies you could pursue. But um, I. Uh, I, I enjoyed it very much, even though I found it very exhausting. I found it absolutely exhausting teaching on Zoom, absolutely exhausting. How are you getting on? I mean, in, in your classes, are you on Zoom? Uh,
0: yeah, this- well, so I got sent back to the States. So all my classes are at midnight. So I'm staying up late to do these classes, and they're just waking up. <laughs> Their classes are at 9 a.m. So I'm here at <laughs> midnight, about to fall asleep, taking my class, having to pay attention.
1: Wow, so so you're still doing uh, your Macquarie course?
0: Yeah. What is the name
1: of the Macquarie course you're doing?
0: Uh, One of them is just Australia TV and Film. So it just goes through the history of everything.
1: Brilliant. Yeah. Really interesting. Because, now that's a really great subject, I mean, uh, because Australian history of television, history of film, history of comedy, for example, it's fantastic with history. I mean, it's it's not necessarily a shared taste. Australian yeah. comedy is, is not, like not yeah. universal. Like comedies, yeah. Yeah, it's not a universal language comedy. I think tragedy is a totally universal language. But comedy is very culturally specific,
0: I think. Um, but there's some weird Australian comedy out there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. We learned about we had Yeah, we had a whole section about Australian comedies and just... How they came up to be and what they still are and it's just like interesting we'd watch clips and shows uh during class and all the australian students would be losing it and i would just be like what like you found this funny (laughs) yes well my wife my wife is french
1: and um she had the same experience when she came to england when she encountered monty python She didn't understand a word of it. she thought it was absolutely not funny. And she was the only person in the cinema not laughing. (laughs) But I think once you understand um, uh, the comedy of another country, like for example, in Saudi Arabia, there's a comedy called um, Ash, Ashmakash or Oshmakosh or something like that <laughs> amazing who would thought there would be it's a politically satirical comedy yeah. from Saudi Arabia and every now and again it gets banned <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the secret of its success maybe but uh, no I think the comedy of other countries is, is fascinating and oh, comedy 100%. history too, you know, when you think, you know, things that you look at and you think, wow, in 1950s, they laughed at that? Really?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just <laughs> watched, uh, have you seen Cinema Paradiso?
1: Ever? Oh yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. I just rewatched yeah. that. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, they like, of course they're watching like all the Italian humor, uh, movies in the movie. And I'm like, what? like, <laughs> oh, I mean, just, again, just like, you're just like, it's crazy how far yeah. comedy has changed. And, What's funny: yes. Yeah,
1: what are you watching at the moment, comedy-wise?
0: Uh, I, ju- a- I just started I just started "The Great" on Hulu. Now listen to me, "The Great" was written by one of
1: my students, Tony McNamara. Really?: Oh, yeah, Tony McNamara is absolutely brilliant. I screen a couple of his short films. I'm, I'm doing this course on writing the short screenplay in about a week's time. And I screened one of his short films. And Tony McNamara, and he's, uh, he also wrote The Favourite as well. you know. Yeah. So he wrote The Favourite and he wrote this. And uh, another friend of mine, Marion McGowan, produced uh, The Great. I mean, I just love how outrageous it was. And also it was originally a stage play.
0: Yeah. So
1: that's another thing I like to encourage. I like to encourage people to transcend the, dem- uh, the demarcation lines between media to, I suppose it's a British thing because like Harold Pinter would write for radio and for television and for theater and for film. And that sort of um, uh, crossing those demarcation lines, I think is something uh, that's a good thing, I think, you know. Um, and, and it's not uncommon in Britain and not uncommon in uh, Australia either, for that matter.
0: But yeah, no, I'm delighted
1: you're watching The Great. Good. Oh,
0: it's hilarious. It's a, such a good show, just so uh, like outrageous at some points so and just makes you laugh.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm just trying to think what am I, what am I watching? Comedy wise, just as a, as a light relief from life generally, I'm watching um, Shit's Creek. Which I think is it's lovely characters and I think it good? yeah, it is good. I've heard it's, so it's much good. about it. Yeah, it's you know it's not going to change your life or anything, but it's it is um, well written, lovely characters, outrageous characters, um, and uh, you know it's enjoyable. It's very short. It's I know, about twenty minutes or so. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But as I say, the thing that's really influenced me is my brilliant friend. I thought that was just so impressive. It's
0: Italian. I'll be sure to watch that. Well, uh, as we wrap things up, is there anything else that you'd want to say to listeners? Um, um,
1: I would say really that we're living in very interesting times. And I hope that your students at Chapman has indeed our students here at NYU um, are really engaged with the issues of your time. Um, and two films recently that I've seen that really do do that, that I, I f- find fantastic films that really are made by people who understand uh, the shifts that are occurring in society. One is Boots Riley's film from last year, Sorry to Bother You. Uh, Boots oh, Riley, I just I think, saw that. Yeah, amazing guy. I love, I thought the work was really bold, in the same way that Tony McNamara's work is bold, in a way. Yeah. But, but sorry to bother you. And then uh, the new Ken Loach called um, Sorry to Miss You. Sorry to Miss You. That's a really good piece of work. And uh, I think uh, those are the sorts of uh, movies that I wish people would sort of pay more attention to because I think they engage in a very literal way, perhaps, with the. Uh, issues of our time um, and I think uh, you know I tend to put a stress on and I hope your students do as well a stress on the nature of the idea but the idea this idea of, I think what people look for in the world the voices you look for are the unique authentic voice so unique in the sense that it is your personal voice about developing trusting having confidence in your own voice it being authentic, in other words, they know what they're talking about and it's so, uh, I don't think we put enough emphasis upon that. And I think that's something that I think we should do. But I'm delighted that you are uh, uh, still got one foot in Australia, I think that's correct.
0: And
1: uh, next time I come to Los Angeles, I will uh, pop over to have a look at, to see how things are going in Chapman.
0: Oh, please do, email me, let me know. Will so do. Thank you. It's so, a yeah. pleasure. It's a pleasure talking with you. Thank you so much. Yes.